Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. You went to the new CVent Mix and Meet virtual meetings, right? Oh my gosh, I did. It was so cool to talk to other like-minded individuals in the events industry. So many people showed up and I just had a really great time virtually meeting with them and sharing ideas and anecdotes about, you know, how we're all faring in these new work environments. Well, guess what I just heard? Oh my gosh, what? The April sessions were such a great success that we're continuing to offer our Cvent Mix and Meet series in May. Mix and Meets are an informal virtual meetup where meeting and event professionals come together to talk, connect, and network. These are really cool open forum discussion-based meetups. That is so awesome. Now, how do I sign up? Well, our next round of meetups will be taking place in early May and more information will be coming soon. To check out topics and register for a mix and meet, visit cvent.com slash mix and meet to save your spot. That's cvent.com slash mix and meet. Well, I will definitely be there and I hope to see you all there too. We are joined today by Cindy Lowe, author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Behind the Red Velvet Curtain. She's also the CEO of Red Velvet Events, and we'll talk about her take on events holistically, whether they're in person, virtual, or maybe both. Yeah, and she has some incredible tips on everything from video fatigue to running virtual activations. You're not going to want to miss this. That's right. So let's get to the conversation with Cindy. Cindy, thank you so much for joining. Can can you start by just giving us a little bit of background on how you started Red Velvet Events? Yes. Well, thank you both for inviting me again and to join y'all today. So we started Red Velvet Events almost 17 and a half years ago. And interestingly enough, it was actually post 9-11. So I always tell people, you know, as we're going through this different time and challenging time, there is some positive light that I think there will be some new uh, beginnings and also new found virtual events that will come out of all this. And when we first started, we were definitely focused more on corporate meetings, B2B, and a few social events. But as we grew, we, re- we recognized that what we were really good at were the live experiential events and activations and incentives. Those are some yeah. of my favorites as well. <laughs> no, I talked to you, Cindy, I, I, you told me that you're, you're committed to doing everything you can as a business to avoid layoffs, which I think is awesome. And it sounds like that's your top priority there at Red Velvet. When did you decide that this was your priority and and what did those initial conversations sound like? Yeah, no, this is a great question because honestly, we are, because things are changing so fast and rapid in this time, we are evaluating it every day. It's not even a weekly conversation, which I thought it would be, but where it started from was we asked ourselves if we really had to let the team go to kind of save on the cash, what would that put us? And honestly, we are a services business, so we don't have catering. We don't have florists. We We are who we are and we take so much pride in who we bring to the table that for me to even lose one team member, it really did not bode well with me. So since we did have a combination of savings and thanks to the PPP, which is the payroll protection program from the federal government, you know, we've made a plan on what we can do to keep the team alive. However, we have had to be very transparent with our team every Monday during our team meetings on what that exactly means. So, This past Monday, we actually shared with them, hey, this is our new financial goal. If we want to actually get all the way to the end of the year, and notice I said end of the year, because previously, if someone had heard me on this, they would have heard me say just through the summer. Well, now we've officially changed our forecasting to look at all the way through the end of the year. You know, this is how much money we need to make. So we have definitely gotten very creative 
We've learned a lot about virtual events and we're even doing other things that don't even have to do with events just to keep the team together. Yeah, and, and it sounds like so you're planning some events maybe virtual, but certainly not as many as you were, let's say, the same time last year. So how are you maintaining your customer base? I mean, I feel like this is yeah. the question on everyone's minds. If we're not doing the events, yep. how are we still interacting <laughs> with our customers? No, it's, it's true, Brooke. Um, and people ask, like, you're not supposed to be selling during this time. It's a pandemic. And I agree. No one wants to talk to a, a car salesman, you know, and I'm putting air quotes here uh, since this is a podcast. Um, but it is the fact that you do have a relationship. So what was interesting is because we're based in Austin and South by Southwest was one of the first big U.S. events that got canceled, we were very greatly affected. Uh, in fact, so March 6th is, a, is like a D-Day because that was the day the city of Austin declared South by Southwest officially canceled. However, we already started getting uh, nervous inquiries from our corporate clients on March the 1st. So we knew we could already feel the nervousness they had about is South by going to be canceled? Do we need to pull out? And because of all that, we, I feel like we've been in this um, pivot for nine weeks. So we've had an extra week <laughs> over most people, extra week or two over most people. And when that happened, that week of March 6th, we immediately reached out to all of our clients, the ones that had not even talked about canceling. We just said, we know you're about to hear a lot of stuff from Austin. We know that you're watching South by Southwest and we want to reassure you that we've been through crisis before, you know, and that we're going to be here and we want to work with you throughout. We don't know what this will be. Honestly, I did not think it was going to be as bad as it is now, but we wanted to just know that we were going to be there. And that's been our constant message. And actually, that's why we also pivoted into additional services is we recognize that not everyone can pivot to a virtual event. So can we help them in other ways? Yeah. I remember that day. I remember when yeah. it was announced South by was canceled um, and, and have being in Oregon, you know, not yeah. even in Austin, it felt very impactful. It felt yeah. like, okay, we know that this is a big deal and that things are going to change for the foreseeable future. And now yeah. it's all about virtual. And I know that you guys do a lot of consultations on virtual events. How did you guys become those experts? And, and what is it that sets those conversations with your team apart from anyone else? Yeah, no, I think this is a good question because there's actually a lot more competition in this market than there was in the live activation uh, market. And I have to, I am always telling our clients first and foremost, prior to March 1st, we had always pitched virtual all the time, but our clients left and right would give us excuses like, yeah, it's not the right time. Or maybe we'll just do it for that one speaker that can't fly in. So that really isn't virtual. That's just filming someone and bringing them in, you know, and putting them on the live screen. A true virtual event is really having multiple, you know, breakout sessions, people pre-recorded, some live, and actually everyone is online. So it's kind of like us on, a, on this, you know, call as well. Um, how we became the experts, honestly, is practice. I, I tell people all the time, you're going to get a lot of people telling you that they're doing virtual, but you should ask a lot of questions because no one out there has all the answers. And if they say they do, I'll be honest, I think they're lying to you because we too are still learning daily. And this week we have a large multi-thousand person conference going on right now virtually. And I've already learned a lot more new things. I was like, okay, we can't do this next time because this is how the, the audience is engaging. And so it's taking that feedback and putting it back in. And I will say that's what makes us different from others. I keep pushing our team to remind ourselves that 
Don't settle on just what the application can give you. Push ourselves, just like how we push ourselves with activations, we know how humans like to be engaged. They want to be seen and heard. So if you're all of a sudden a thousand, you just have your little name, okay? And you're in this virtual environment, what are we gonna do to make them feel special? Because it is so easy to get lost. And let's be honest, on this virtual meeting, it's very easy for me to go ahead and check social media or, or check email and not pay attention to the speaker. So I think it's even harder to do virtual events successfully. I agree with you. Yeah. And I know you said that you are learning. Everybody here at Cvent, we're all learning about virtual yeah. events too. Like this is new uncharted territory, really. What yeah. are you noticing with everybody running virtual events right now? So I made this analogy and it's funny. I, I, because do you remember the first time you got your email address? Like way back when, you know, and oh, everyone God. like at that time, you know, people didn't know what exactly to do with it. And so other than like maybe send a hi to a friend and then you started seeing people some affording snail mail that you know became like forwarded chains and you're like no that's not really the purpose of email and I still remember the first time someone used email as a marketing campaign I was like that's genius they're getting me to do an action and 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 so right now where I draw that similarity is in the virtual events it's the wild wild west everyone is trying to throw spaghetti on the wall see what sticks and it's unfortunate because guess what? We have a lot of grace right now, but I don't know how long we'll have that for. And so I think people need to take away what's working and what's not working. So, so, so I mean, a perfect example is when I remember when we were doing our rehearsal, my speaker wasn't working and we were talking about what can we do to ensure that the sound and the audio quality is going to be good. And it's doing rehearsals, something as basic as that prior to going online versus struggling because then it's again a really bad experience and I can't tell you how many webinars I've been on lately where they're struggling with that and you've just lost your audience because you have just a split second to keep them. Yeah I like what you said there about this is sort of like a grace period right now so it's like we're all learning yeah but there the bar is being set and it's oh, being yes. raised every single day. And Absolutely. it's up to us as marketers and event producers to mm -hmm. be in the know and to yeah. be doing the best of the best. And I, and I also have been hearing, you know, people talking about this kind of video fatigue too, right? Yes. Like oh, we're, very real. we're all, we're, I'm constantly staring at <laughs> my computer all day long, even though I'm talking to other people. And so, you know, when the grace period kind of feels like it's over, what does that concept mean to you? And what, you know, what are the, some of the tactics that we're doing to to combat this video fatigue. Yeah, no, I agree. So, you know, I was watching someone else doing this live webinar or they, they were, it's a virtual meeting because they were, they were actually live and engaging. And I noticed they actually incorporated dance breaks. Now you have to obviously know your audience if this is going to work, because I'm going to be honest, my husband is right now on also a virtual conference and he's a tech guy. And if I said, oh, in 10 minutes, we're gonna have a dance break he would literally roll his eyes and go, you've got to be effing kidding me. This is not what I signed up for. But in this case, this other virtual meeting, it worked because majority of the people attending were moms and they were looking to have something fun and different and to relate. And so I thought that, you know, that works. So again, going back to knowing your audience, figuring out what can you do because you need to break it up. If you think you can do eight hours of video content straight back to back, you've, you're going to lose your audience so fast. It's just not reasonable. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I, I don't know why the developers haven't figured this out, there needs to be a way in the chat room so that you can easily thread a conversation. 
So if I, for example, if Cody started one and I want to actually respond back to Cody, I can hit reply. So it, it, it's in thread. And instead what's happening is that the chat room is just filling up with all these noise. And, and let's be honest, if you don't type fast or read fast, you're going to feel left out. And the whole point of having a virtual meeting is to feel inclusive and, and also to reach new markets that maybe couldn't fly to your event before. So there is still a lot of positive things about having a virtual event, but I think we have, we still have a lot of gaps that we have to, to meet and, and, and get there. I agree. It's that engagement. You know, we've yeah. been doing live events and activations for a really long time. We know that people's attention spans are like tiny, yes. tiny. And now you sit them in front of a computer where their family's running around. I was literally yeah. just on a meeting with um, some of my coworkers and one of them just stopped and was like, my kid just fell off the couch. I'm waiting <laughs> to see if she's going to cry or laugh, you know? I mean, we have so many distractions. Um, true. And we've always at live events done some gamification, you know, yes. like just get people moving around, interacting with one another. It's a great way to connect. How are we leveraging gamification when it comes to virtual? I will say there are some that are doing it better than others. I do highly encourage gamification. So the, I'll use this week's uh, virtual meeting as an example. Uh, one of the things they're trying to do right now is like a virtual bingo card. Every time you visit one of the exhibitors, you get like a stamp and you get to kind of brag about it too. So like if you get to 20 points, you get to push it out onto the market wall to say, hey, Cindy Lowe here, I got 20 points. And so, because when people start to realize, wait, what does 20 points equal? And then they realize, oh, we're going to gift this away for next year or uh, because there's different prizes, prize levels. It's like people that do want to, again, participate that way are going to. You have to be okay that not everyone's going to want to gamify. But gamify is the easiest, I always tell people, for people to fit in when they don't know anyone in that room. And that's where I will say take the time to really think about how you can do it and do it well. And you've got to make sure that there is something for everyone. So for example, they even encourage us something as basic as, hey, take a picture of the coffee mug you're, you're drinking out of today and hashtag this and show it to us so that we can see it that way. And this was just, I mean, again, it's not, it doesn't have to be the complicated gamification where you, know, you have to do a virtual reality or augmented reality. It can be as something as basic as do something for us so we can see that you're engaged. And, um, and another, because they don't have video, this is a virtual meeting that there's no video. It's only, unless you again, share it through Instagram or Twitter. Um, they were trying to come up with different ways. So they actually had different fonts allowed to pick in the chat room so that you can kind of show your personality. And I thought I like that, that was clever because that's, that's one little touch that was very easy. And yes, there's only seven you can choose from, but still my point is, is that you can choose one that makes you happy, you know? and you could change out the color. So, so you could stand out a little bit more. So, so I, I, going back to that question, I think it is definitely something you need to spend time on. And, and I maybe jump in the agenda here a little bit, but one of the things that I think there is a misnomer is that when you go from live event to virtual event, it's cheaper and it's easier. And I, I disagree. It, not, it may save you a little bit of money, but honestly, what I have found so far because of the learning curve, it's about the same because you're gonna need to staff more people because we're gonna want a moderator in each of the breakout rooms. We're gonna want different people looking at all the uh, you know, different areas. So it's a little bit different in staffing. But the other is that you, do, you need to really sit there and produce it with a producer's hat on. Don't think like, oh, I can just tell XYZ person to prepare the content and then let it go. You really need to think about it from a, a producer's eyes and go, is, 
is my audience going to really be, you know, entertained and are they going to find value in the content? Yeah, no, I, um, I was surprised over the past couple of months, how do, putting on virtual events does take very much production eye and a team. You know, yes. it, it takes a whole team. I'm even doing a bingo game for my friends tomorrow oh, night great. and I'm like for trying to produce it and we're doing a test tonight, you know, because it's that's like, great. we're, we've never done it before. Let's kind of figure it yeah. out. Um, and you touched on something else when we were talking about gamification, but personalization, the fonts and things like that, yes. this layer of personalization that we have always focused on during live events and activations have to be part of the virtual experience. And people too. are craving it. I, I will say, Absolutely. um, what, something you said earlier, um, because I, I was like, I do want to make sure I mention this is, you know how I always alluded to when we're doing a lot of live activations where we got a lot of our ideas from was like festivalizations because they were just doing such a good job of engaging the audience live and in person. Well, I have to give credit to actually the gaming community right now that's pushing us to really rethink how a virtual meeting can be done. So not, not last weekend, but two weekends ago, Fortnite had another one of their concerts, but it was so well produced that everyone in the meetings and events world was talking about it. And I don't even play Fortnite. So of course I had to go online, look at the videos. I had to understand, I wanted to understand what made it so impactful and why everyone was talking that this was the way that virtual meetings would, would be graded against. And I saw why, because there was personalization, there was a sense of community and there was a sense of, uh, of fun. And so it's like, all of those mixed into one and, and it did not happen overnight. That's the thing is that that's where we got to remind our clients that you're going to be building over this community over time. And it's going to be important for us to have the right tone and the right message and the right delivery mechanism so that it all comes together when you do do your one big annual meeting. And again, I don't, I'm hoping that virtual meetings are not going to be forever and ever. I think they'll be hybrid, but in the meantime, at least again, until the end of the year, I do see virtual meetings more of a reality and a necessity than anything. Yeah. I mean, and, and you bring up a good point. Like we've been doing virtual events. There are communities out there who that's have a, been doing virtual point. and doing it well. It's time to tap into that expertise and see how we can bring it to the larger meetings and events industry. Yep. Yeah. And Cindy, you said earlier that you were on kind of an unsuccessful webinar. So you've been on yes. plenty of those. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like in my mind, before this even happened, I kind of confused webinar with virtual event and, and you said those the same. are completely different. Yeah. What are the differences between the two and you know, how should we think about them differently? So to me, a webinar is something like as basic as a zoom. You're, you're trying to provide some key content and maybe a 45 minute snippet where you'll probably have one, one panelist. You, you could have a panel, I guess, but the main thing is, is it's surrounding one topic and you're just trying to push the information out. And yes, there might be some light engagement, but it's really just in the chat room or you can fire some questions off, but it, it's, that's it. And it, it's one and done. Whereas a virtual meeting, you are talking about keynotes, you're talking about sponsors, you're talking about also uh, usually more more than a hundred people at a time. So, so, and honestly, I have, I haven't seen where it's in between. I see either like it's right around the hundred or it's in the thousands. So there's, I don't know why there hasn't been really that medium spot. I'm not sure. Um, but like this week's meeting is several thousand. And, uh, and honestly, if we had come together in person, it would have been much higher as well. Um, I think people were just not sure if they wanted to pay that much to go to a, um, 
a virtual meeting. And that's the other thing too, to keep in mind is that reason why people go to meetings is to do several things. One is to conduct business. Two is to make connections that they can't normally make when they are behind a computer or behind a cell phone. So if you can't give them that in your virtual meeting, you really need to think twice about how much you're going to charge and what you're going to deliver as a marketing message, because you could then just be a really well conducted, like almost like a fancy YouTube channel. And that's not what people want. People, the reason why they're coming to virtual meetings and events is because they want to be engaged and they want to be a part of a community. So that's where I, I would say plan from that angle and ask yourself, how am I really getting them to all be the cheerleaders and, and to rah, 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 our brand or our mission when they come out of this meeting. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of events aren't charging too, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of events that would have charged face to face, but now it's kind of free, yeah. um, virtual, which then brings up the whole question of ROI. So yeah. how are we tracking ROI in these virtual events? Are we looking for engagements? We're being told, you know, we, we shouldn't be selling, which we know we're just connecting, yeah. right? So that's usually a large part of the ROI. I mean, how are you talking to your clients about this? And um, are there any cool ideas around sponsorship too? It's a, it's a little bit hit, hit or miss. Uh, right now, um, some sponsors have been very upfront and honest with us saying that I don't want to sponsor that. That's not what I was agreeing to. When I agreed to sponsor XYZ event, I was really wanting to be there in person. So how we try to show them the ROI is one beautiful benefit of being digital is now I do get metrics. So I really can tell when someone comes to my event, if they stay logged in and on my active screen for however many minutes. So being able to actually give them more metrics, well, as before, if I was actually in a hotel ballroom, I, unless I put everyone on RFID name badges, I couldn't tell you how long someone would be in a general session, you know? So, so there is that upside. The other, which I've been trying to really push people to understand is that if you are going to get sponsors, you do need to figure out how can you pair up the registered attendee list to do one-on-one -on -one appointments with them. Don't make it just this, Hey, blanket exhibit room, go, go over to the marketplace and sign up. I want you to really go and go, Oh, I know you and I know you mentioned you need help with registration online. I know someone over at Cvent and I'm going to schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment. And because this meeting was free, we ask that you, you keep your 15 minute appointment with them because this is how we get our content delivered to you for free. Because any attendee knows good events do not get produced for free. They know there's a catch. And so, I, I'm all about transparency, explain to them. And, and if we also lay it out, and maybe that's what we need to do going forward, is that, you know, in exchange for this, this is being sponsored by, let's say, Cvent, we are asking that you accept the 15-minute post-meeting conversation. To me, I think that is more than fair to say that is how we're charging for these events. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it is, I mean, right now with Google and YouTube, there's so much free content out there but not all is created equal. And I'd rather someone come to me and say, this is what we're gonna do and take the time to vet the, the speaker. Because to me, what I don't care for is when it's a sponsored event and then the person sponsoring it is the speaker. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I'd rather <laughs> it be like someone that I really can't listen to normally and the fact that Steven paid for it, and I understand that that's my, you know, my exchange, I'm, I'm all good for that. Yeah, absolutely. 
You got to have, you got to have the good content (laughs) or it's really easy for someone to leave. It's not hop on a plane and go home. It's literally like shut. Just, yes. It's just close it out. Never. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Uh, It's true. Cindy, this is, I knew this was going to be such an awesome podcast episode. So thank you so much for joining. I got to ask you, you know, if you had to leave our event professionals with just one takeaway or a piece of advice when engaging audiences effectively with these virtual events, Mm -hmm. what would that be? One? Oh, just it's only one. I know, just one. It's the hardest. That's why it's the hardest question. It's just one. Don't underestimate good branding because, and, and I hate to... I hate to use this as an example because obviously this was a failed event, but the Fry Festival, you know, I, I, I actually studied that event and I was like, wow, how did they convince so many people to buy these tickets when it's a first time event, blah, blah, blah. And it was because they branded it well. And if you want to get out of the gate, you know, and do this first time virtual event and you want to make sure you get the biggest audience and the best ROI and everything, take the time and spend it on the branding and make sure your whole message is cohesive. Because to me, the worst thing when, is when I see very ugly DIY branding and I can't help myself that I just want to go in and fix it all. I'm the same way, Cindy. I'm the okay. same way. We got to get, you got to get people excited, whether it's, exactly. I mean, just take your event, your virtual event and put some theme around it. Is it a block party? Yes. Is it a couch cella? Is it a, just Correct. make it fun and, and people will come, you know. And also people will talk about it because exactly, they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, that was so smart. Like I've seen some silly internal Zoom calls. People will just tell them, hey, can everyone bring a silly hat or can everyone wear their jerseys, their favorite jerseys? I mean, it's just something as basic as that. You don't have to go out and buy anything new, but just make it engaging because people want to be a part of a community. Remember yeah. that. And we're bored. We want to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I want to go to Couch Chilla, Brooke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know the first time I saw someone brand, I was like, dang it. I know. Oh, that was, I was so like, good. I wish I had thought of that. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Well, Cindy, before we let you go, is there anything you want to promote or share with our listeners? You know, we are, again, like I said, pushing additional services in addition to our normal virtual consulting. And a lot of people ask me why it has nothing to do with events. And I realize that, you know, for us, it's about giving back to the community because we know a lot of our peers have been recently furloughed or laid off and they might be just looking for that, you know, pep talk or maybe some career advice. Or maybe they've decided, just like I did after Post 9-11, start their own business. So we've actually added a bunch of just non-event related services that our team is really good at, and it's on our website. So if they go to redvelvetevents.com, they can see it at the bottom link, and it, and it takes them to a shopping cart, which is, if you had asked me even, uh, you know, January, would I ever have had a shopping cart on our website? The answer would have been no, because who we were an agency. We don't, we don't do that kind of stuff, but you know what, in times of a crisis and a pandemic, we have to get gritty and resilient. And so we even made some t-shirts to commemorate (laughs) uh, this quarantine and shelter in place. So those that are in the event business might appreciate some of the the witty phrases that we've uh, put on (laughs) t-shirts. That's cool. Well, and I love adding things to my virtual shopping cart. So I'll probably be there before we know it. (laughs) And I was thinking, you mentioned something earlier in our conversation about the 
virtual dance party. What yes. if we have a little virtual dance party and dance our way out of this? Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'll stand well, up and get ready. Before we do that, Cindy, thank you so much for joining us. This was one of the best conversations we've had. You have such great energy. And oh, for everyone you. else, we will put links to everything we're talking about here in the podcast description. And Cody, cue music and dance party. Let's do it. Okay. I love it. I'm going to hold up. Oh, yeah. I know. I wish my dog was here so I could bring him in. Ah. I'm raising the roof. Oh, I yeah. I love it. <laughs> A little sprinkler. <laughs> Getting up and moving, doesn't it make you feel good? It feels like feel you're I know. sitting behind yeah. the desk again. See? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Well, if you want to see us do the dance party, we're, we also have this on video on YouTube. So oh, for all of you get FOMO for just listening, hit us up. So thank you again, Cindy. <laughs> thank so you, Brooke. Thank you, Cody, you. for having me. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That was so cool to hear a fresh perspective on how to make the most out of these times. I know. And I really loved how she opened my eyes that virtual events need to be engaging, which I know I knew, but like almost like a TV show. I'm really learning that we're at the point where we need to be strategic with how we're running virtual events. And for our listeners out there to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. You can check out the episode description for a link to additional resources. And if anyone out there has tips or tricks they'd like to share, please let us know by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. We would love to have you on the show. Before you guys know it, we'll have another great episode. So talk to you then. Bye. Bye.